Welcome back, guys. It's Encounter with God time here on Faith FM. That means we're getting to our 20 million movement Bible study. And, of course, if you're struggling to get uh, reception wherever you are for Faith FM, then simply grab the Faith FM Australia app. Uh, We recommend this to everybody. It's the best way to listen to Faith FM. It's the way people listen to the radio these days. You need to just catch up and get with the times. (laughs) Run it through your car stereo and you'll have a great reception wherever you go. Perfect reception wherever you go. That's the one. Right around the world. I've listened, to, I've listened to Faith FM in Ethiopia. I've listened to Faith FM, and like that's one of the poorest countries. Didn't you guys I've, run Faith we FM? We ran Faith Ethi- FM yeah. from Ethiopia. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, and we've, I've listened to it in the United States, one of the most developed countries in the world. Hmm. Faith FM app is amazing. It's actually amazing what technology has changed in our world for things like that. Yes. Right? <laughs> it was only, what, 20 years ago, if you wanted to listen to the radio, you had to switch your radio on and twist the little twisty thing yeah. until you, your channel came in. Yeah, yeah. Not so anymore. Just hit that button on your phone and away it goes. Absolutely. All right, today we are talking about wise men and women. Uh, the words for school, study, education are clearly understood in our time, but they are not common in the Bible. There is one word, wisdom or wise, which is much more common. The Old Testament makes mention of wise men and wise women. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 4. We've got a bit of a passage to read here. Uh, we're going to start in verse 29. So 1 Kings chapter 4 and verse 29. Minnie, go for us. God gave Solomon very great wisdom and understanding, and knowledge as vast as the sands of the seashore. Okay. Would you like to have that? Be pretty ideal. It would, wouldn't it? Yeah. It would kind of make your uh, your life right now at university maybe a little bit yeah, easier. Yeah, yeah. I think life in general. <laughs> life in general? Absolutely. All right, but is wisdom on its own enough? Well, often wisdom and understanding seem to go together. Okay. Did Solomon ever lose his wisdom? He, got, he received this gift of wisdom from God. Did he ever lose it? Uh, he didn't seem to act upon it a lot by the, by the end. No. But did he but lose he didn't, it? Well, we have no indication that he did. No, he never lost his wisdom. Yeah. Which right is the way through. crazy to think. It is crazy. Because of kind of where things went to. And, and I'm like, that was not wise, bro. Okay, so let's talk like, about where things went to. He ends up with a harem of a thousand wives. Yeah. Not uncommon for, you know, royalty in those days. But not wise. But not wise. No. Not a smart thing to do. No. Definitely something in which he knew better. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had the example of his father who'd had, you know, a number of wives. But not that many. But not a thousand. But still dysfunctional. I mean, these were all political alliances, obviously. Uh, that was how it was done back in the day. But a thousand, really? Mm-hmm. And how much of a disaster was it for his father who had a fraction that many? Mm-hmm. And then we find that you know some of his wives were idolaters and so he brings idolatry into God's church and then he ends up worshipping idols himself. Mm. It's like, really? You know, you've got an intelligent person who's, you know, as the Bible says, you know, a person cuts down a tree uh, it says this in the book of Isaiah. A person cuts down a tree, and with one end of the tree, he cuts it into firewood and warms himself. And with the other end of the tree, he carves it into a god and worships it. Hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It really reveals just how ridiculous idolatry is. Yeah. 
And yeah, when you look at Solomon, he was the wisest man that ever lived, mm. but wisdom on its own is not enough. Mm. You, he never lost that wisdom, but what he did lose is, was his, his connection with God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fully. Wisdom on its own without a connection with God is not enough. All right, where do we get up to? Let's read a bit more. Mm-hmm. Verse 30, I'm going to read. Uh, okay, so, In fact, his wisdom exceeded that of all the wise men of the East and the wise men of Egypt. Okay, stop there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bible says the wise men of the East and the wise men of Egypt. Yes. When the Bible speaks about those two different places, you're talking about uh, the two greatest civilizations on the planet at, at the that time. particular time. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about uh, the Tigris-Euphrates River Valley system where you have you know, massive monuments from Solomon's day right down to this day. Mm. Still existing. You can still go there and visit it. Incredible feats of engineering and mathematics and science. A lot of it that we have never, ever, you know, a lot of uh, engineering puzzles and so forth that we have never, ever been able to solve today. If you go to Egypt, Egypt is on another scale altogether mm-hmm. because here you've got a, uh, a climate which is zero humidity and zero rain. Hey. And so everything is just preserved. Yeah, yeah. Nothing disappears. You can see <laughs> things that are, you know, two, three thousand years old and they're not really that much different from the day that they were made. Hmm. And you can see there engineering feats that boggle the mind and have never, ever been explained. Mm. No one has ever been able to understand how they were able to accomplish the things that they accomplished. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And the Bible says that Solomon's wisdom exceeded exceeds the, all this. It exceeds all that. Yeah. The Bible talks about all of the different things that he writes about and these studies and you know all the different things that he was into. This was a guy that was just consuming knowledge, you know, as as fast as he could get it. Let's keep reading. Okay, so he was wiser than anyone else, including Ethan the Ezrahite and the sons of Mahol, Heman, Kalkol, and Dada. His fame spread throughout all the surrounding nations. He composed some 3,000 proverbs and wrote 1,005 songs. He could speak with authority about all kinds of plants, from the great cedar of Lebanon to the tiny hyssop that grows from cracks in the wall. He could also speak about animals, birds, small creatures, and fish. And kings from every nation sent their ambassadors to listen to the wisdom of Solomon. He would be an amazing person to just be in his presence. Yeah, absolutely. So he was a uh, he was an incredible naturalist. Mm. He obviously did a tremendous amount of research, yeah. and he wasn't just satisfied with researching. Okay, let's research you know the great cedars of Lebanon and find out how they grow and what makes them tick, and you know maybe how we can make them grow better and how we can produce better timber from them and so forth. And you know how do they get their sustenance and their nutrients and you know, what kind of soil do they need to grow in or anything like that? It, it, it wasn't just commercial. Mm. Because when the Bible speaks, he spoke about, you know, hyssop that grew out of a crack in the stone yeah. wall. This was something that he was actually deeply interested in. Yeah. He wanted to know, mm. how does this work? What does it do? Mm-hmm. And so he studies it in depth. He was uh, not just studying about uh, things that were of commercial interest, 
he was just studying things that were just interesting to him. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just, you know, plant life. Obviously, he's studying about animals and so forth here as well. And then the Bible says, what are the, what are the leaders of the world doing here? Well, they want to come and learn and listen. Absolutely. And you've got the story of the Queen of Sheba who turns up mm-hmm. and comes all the way from Ethiopia uh, and, and, and arrives there, you know, with a great retinue of people just for the purpose of Solomon's fame mm. for wisdom. Yeah. You know, we get some geniuses every now and then. It's kind of like, yeah, there's kind of one genius or two geniuses sort of every generation, but he was the genius of all level. generations, yeah. of a whole new level altogether. All right, we've got more about Solomon in just a moment. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, so how many Proverbs did he write? Well, it says about 3,000, doesn't it? Yeah, and how many do we have in our Bible? Not that many. About 30 chapters? Yeah. Not that many. Uh, and songs. Mm-hmm. How many songs does he write? He says a thousand. I don't. A thousand we know five. We, thousand five. Yeah. We know we've got Song of Solomon, like the book. Yes. But that's definitely nowhere near that. That's one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there are several Psalms. There's like what, yes. five or six Psalms that were written by Solomon. Yeah. Maybe more. I can't remember how many. But still minute to the amount that he wrote. So there's a tremendous amount mm. of both songs and proverbs from Solomon that has been lost to history. We just don't have it anymore. Tremendous amount of wisdom right there. Okay, so when it comes to the context of education, we talk about redemption being the uh, foundation of education, all true education being uh, education in the plan of redemption. Does that mean that education is limited to the plan of salvation? Because obviously we start studying this in the context of education, Solomon is held up to us an example of an educated person. Does he limit his education to the plan of salvation? No, but it's still part of it. Yes. So he's studying plants and animals and all kinds of random things just because he wants knowledge. Yeah. That is related to redemption, but it's not about redemption. Mm. The great thing about Solomon is that he is a good example of why the foundation of education and all true true education is about redemption Mm. and the plan of redemption. Because here you have somebody who was incredibly educated and yet he comes to his life and it was was all vanity. It was all meaningless. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I learned all this stuff, but it was all meaningless because he didn't know Jesus. Yeah. And when he realizes that, he sees his relationship with God in its true context. And it's like, well, you know, I could I could speak about animals and I could speak about plants and I could speak about cedars of Lebanon and I could speak about, you know, his that springs from the crack in the stone wall and I could, you know, and all of the world was sending their ambassadors to me to hear of my wisdom and the Queen of Sheba came up and visited me herself mm. and it was all just vanity. Yeah. It was all just pride. It was all just me. It was all meaningless. Without God. And I was going to say, and yet you could have exactly the same knowledge, but tie that knowledge with the knowledge of God and your personal response to God. Oh, man, what a powerhouse. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, 
Absolutely. You can, yeah, you can be someone who knows all the interesting things. And I, like, I'm someone I'm like, oh, wow, you know, I once listened to someone talk for 20 minutes about ants because they were so excited. I was like, this is amazing. I would never think to research ants. They're interesting, but I'm not like, oh, I need to go find out. But they were excited. So I was like, this is fascinating. Um, ants are fascinating. They are actually fascinating. Solomon wrote about ants. Hey. Yes. Interesting. Absolutely. Oh, but do you know what I mean? Like they just, you know, it's knowledge and it's interesting. He said, go to the ant, uh, thou sluggard, and <laughs> learn of her ways. True, true. Um, but you tie that with the who God is and the how that thing's here and the that big picture of God as our creator who also wants to be known by us and to redeem us. That shifts something, I think. For me, it does. It does. And if you look at scientists who have managed to combine mm. these two together, if you look at, say, for instance, someone like Sir Isaac Newton, who was the most influential scientist who ever lived, and I don't know if you've ever tried to wrap your brain around some of the stuff that he came up with, but if you do, it's going to seriously bend your mind. <laughs> I mean, this guy had a brain that worked on just an entirely different level than the average human being. Yeah. And, you know, he only actually, you know, he's their most influential scientist who ever lived. He wrote a tremendous about, about science. His, his, science his, his discoveries were just ridiculously outstanding. Mm. And yet he didn't study that science or, or teach science for very much of his life. It was only a very short portion of his life. Yeah, interesting. You know, and then he discovered the Bible and was like, well, that's way more interesting. Hmm. And for the, you know, the last 30 years of his life, he just, he just studied the Bible and wrote about the Bible. He wrote more about the Bible than he ever did about science. Do you think, and I'm not saying this, this is like a bit of a side tangent, but do you think because of his exploration and curiosity and discovery, that kind of opened his heart and mind to God as who he was? Does that make sense? Like, because I just think that in finding out those things, because, yeah, it's incredible some of the things. He was like, oh, yeah. And we now are like, oh, yeah, just the scientist. But I'm like, nah, for you to personally have learnt that, and it would blow his mind, I'm sure. He's like, no, nah, this can be a thing. We could do this. We could do the elections. We could do that, you know. I just feel like God has a heart of an artist, a creator, a, you know, engineer. an engineer, all of these amazing things. And I think when you personally experience that and are exposed to that, it opens your heart to him even more a bit. Like, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like there's a connection between Yeah, no, them. I couldn't agree more. Mm. I, I absolutely agree. That's exactly, you know, and... You know, Sir Isaac Newton had the advantage of living in an era when the reality of God was assumed, and because the yeah. reality of God was assumed, and he's studying science within the assumption of the reality of God. That's true. Then, of course, it just points him straight to God. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Whereas in our era, uh, the non-existence of God is assumed in science, and so when people study science. It just confuses them because there is no God and they don't find the answers that Sir Isaac Newton was able to discover mm. because they are limited by a denial of the existence of God. Yes. And science could be so much more advanced today if people recognized and factored in the existence of God to their discoveries. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, there's nothing in empirical science that in any way denies God. No. Historical science, yeah, those guys, they get into denial of God, but not empirical science. Mm. Empirical science actually reveals God and it should point people in the direction of God and of a creator and of a designer. Mm. 
because we just have the most amazing engineering in all aspects of our world. Okay, let's go to. Oh, why don't we have a look at some of the? Uh, let's have a look at some of the wise things that Solomon said. Proverbs chapter one and verse one. Why don't you read that one for us, please, Minnie? Alrighty. I actually really like Proverbs. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. It's one of those books where you can have a one verse yeah. devotions. Yeah, it's true. Hey, well, what am I reading? One verse. One. Oh, one verse one. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Okay, there you go. It yep. introduces it right there. And, uh, of course, these are the Proverbs that oh, – actually, read us a couple more verses. Okay, their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives and to help them do what is right, just, and fair. Yeah, okay. So he outlines the purpose of yeah. – this is why I'm going to write Proverbs down. And, of course, this is something that he's doing at the end of his life. Mm. So he begins out strong. He starts strong. He receives the gift of wisdom from God. He builds the temple. He worships God. God honors honors him. And then he marries all these wives. They turn his heart away from God. He spends a huge portion of his life. The bulk of his life is very, very far from God. And at the end of his life, he realizes this was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. He comes back to God and he finds true meaning in his life. And um, as a result of that, he... He uh, uh, he writes the book of Proverbs and he and, and he writes it. Look, you know, this is so that you can have wisdom and discipline, mm. because those two things go together. Yes, they are intimately really, intimately related to each other and cannot be separated from each other. Wisdom and discipline. Yeah. In fact, discipline is kind of it's a form of wisdom. Yes. Something I find interesting about Proverbs is like just in in the context of what you just said about how it's kind of the end of his life that he's saying this. There are so many verses you have in here where he's like, you know, my son, listen to what I'm saying. Hey, my child, like, don't disregard this. You know, it's almost like there's a little plea there to be like, come on, like this, this is important. Like, (laughs) I need you to get what I'm saying. saying, You know, I've been there and done that. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, please don't not listen and then just get into foolishness and fall into a mess you don't need to get into. All right, let's go to chapter 25 and Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 1. This is an interesting uh, little um, tidbit here that people might be unfamiliar with. These are more Proverbs of Solomon collected by the advisors of King Hezekiah of Judah. Okay, so this is interesting because when King Hezekiah comes to power, he's obviously looking for and searching for, okay, whereabouts are all of these Proverbs? Where did they go to? Some of them sort of got lost for a while. And um, so he set his servants to the work to find as many as they could. And so they found more. Found more. Mm. There was 3,000, so obviously he didn't find them all, but yeah. he found some more. And thankfully they're recorded for us today so that we can listen to them and read them. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, let's see here. We are in Proverbs. Let's go to Proverbs 31 and verse 1. Oh, the old Proverbs 31. This is a good chapter. Yes. It used to annoy me when I was a teenager. People were like, we were looking for a Proverbs 31 woman. I was like, okay, well, you be a godly man then. Like, don't, yeah, that's right. <laughs> don't, don't chuck that out there. Uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, but Proverbs 31 verse 1 just says, The sayings of King Lemuel contain this message, which his mother taught him. Okay, so there you go. You've got the prophecy of King Lemuel. Yeah. Oh, Lemuel. (laughs) Whatever. Yep. So who's King Lemuel and who is his mother? Do you know? You would know. I don't know. Well, here's the thing. If you you look through the Bible chronology, there's no king of either Israel or Judah by the name of 
Lemuel, mm-hmm. or if you look through ancient chronologies, there is no king of Assyria or Syria or uh, Phoenicia or there's no king Lemuel. He just doesn't exist. No such thing. So do you know anything about the history of where he comes from? Okay, so the word Lemuel simply means a man consecrated to God. Oh. And according to Jewish tradition, this was just another way, another name for Solomon. That feels like just, a stitch-up. Just say Solomon. Yeah, well, you know, it was kind of his mother's pet name for him. Oh, okay. So like, And she's inside. giving him all this advice right here. Right. So here's my next question. You've got a whole chapter here, mm-hmm. which comes from Bathsheba. Ooh. I've never thought about it like that. I also so is that. Bathsheba a prophetess? Or is Solomon the prophet? Now, we know Solomon's a prophet because he writes, you know, mm-hmm. large portions of the Bible, mm-hmm. and the Bible comes to us through the gift of prophecy by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Yes. But Solomon writes this down, but it came from his mother. So who is the inspired one? Look, can it not be some sort of both? <laughs> can it be some sort of both? <laughs> no, well, like... Obviously, there's an element that she is a follower of God, right? We know yes. this. Oh, clearly, from this passage. Exactly. And oh, was it in Timothy we were reading yesterday about, hey, keep following the things that you've been taught from your childhood? Yes. So if you're going to raise your child with godly whatever, you have to have that. I don't know how to answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, just me talking my way and be like, maybe I'll come to an answer. <laughs> maybe um, if enough words come out of my mouth. <laughs> Something might make sense. (laughs) Something will land, and then sometimes it doesn't. (laughs) Okay, so we don't know. We don't don't know know. whether Bathsheba um, was a prophetess and whether this was God speaking through Bathsheba, but that is not necessary for this particular passage to be part of the Bible because there are a number of other instances in the Bible where Bible writers quote from very, very clearly uninspired sources. Yeah. And quote them in the Bible. Yeah. In what they're writing. That does not make that passage or that verse or that phrase, whatever it might be, uninspired. Well, it also can't because the Bible says all scripture is inspired by God. That's right. And I'm just like, well, God wouldn't allow it to remain in his word. What it does mean is that passage or that verse or that phrase has now been taken from uninspiration and mm. placed into inspiration. Yeah. Because the prophet does not just speak by uh, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The prophet also selects information by the gift of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Mm-hmm. And this is an important differentiation that we need to make because sometimes people will get very confused over it. It's like, well, you know, um, well, everybody who wrote in the Bible was inspired. Well, no, there's a whole bunch of people whose words are recorded in the Bible that were very, very clearly not inspired and had nothing to do with God and were very, very much against God. And so um, you can't go down that path. It's a very, very dangerous path to go down. However, what you can do is um, demonstrate that when a person's material that is uninspired material is quoted by somebody under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, then those words are brought into the context of inspiration. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so we've got, uh, we've got all of this uh, material here that has been gathered together, mm. uh, the wisdom of Solomon. And 
in this case, the wisdom of Solomon through his mother Bathsheba, where you know she gives a woman's perspective on, okay, Solomon, this is how you go out and find a Which he didn't really woman. seem to do, actually, from what we talked about earlier. Well, he did and he didn't. Right. Because you've got Song of Solomon, right? Uh-huh. Which is the story of Solomon's first wife. How do you know it's the first? Okay, so we don't know. Okay. But according to, once again, according to Jewish tradition and right. according to, okay, so let's put the evidence that we have to, together. Mm-hmm. This is a book of the Bible. Yes. So, so, so we've got it from Jewish history, right? So Jewish history said, yeah, this was Solomon's first wife. She died young. She died in childbirth. And it was after that that he kind of fell apart and, um, you know, was inconsolable in grief, tried to get himself back to normal by marrying heaps and heaps of wives, ended up in idolatry, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, so that's that's Jewish tradition. All right, what do we have that actually backs up the Jewish tradition? Here's what we've got. This book is a part of the Bible. Yes. This book would not be a part of the Bible if Solomon, if it had been an adulterous story. Hmm. So yeah. very, very clearly when Solomon is involved in this relationship, it is not an adulterous relationship. He doesn't have another wife when this story takes place. Right. So was his first wife or was his second or was his third? I don't know. But we do know this. He doesn't have another wife when this story takes place because this is a story of a righteous mm. relationship. I love it. It's one of my favorite books. Oh, yeah. Bible. It's amazing. Yeah. Mm. Um, it, so not as it just the story of a righteous relationship. What it does is that, okay, well, if you look at then the Jewish tradition, the Jewish history of Song of Solomon, you have to ask yourself, okay, what is the likelihood that this was Solomon's first wife? And the likelihood is then very, very high. Yeah. It's very, very much smaller that this was his second or his third or whatever, and that he'd had a couple of previous wives already that had died. Mm. Now, mortality rate for women was high in those days, particularly in childbirth and so forth. But it would be very, very unlikely if the Jewish history was wrong on this account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's something that we can put a lot of credibility in. Mm. And how do we get sidetracked onto that? Look, that might have been my fault. <laughs> I, um... But yeah, we were talking about the wisdom of Solomon and how you know Solomon did lose it, but yes. he started off so great and. You know, when you read Song of Solomon, he was obviously following the wisdom of his mother Bathsheba. Oh, oh yes. That's and so when we've got this pat- passage right here in Proverbs chapter 31, mm. it's like, okay, Solomon, this is, this, is, this is how you sort your life out. This is how you find your partner, etc., etc., etc. Solomon's like, yep, been there, done that. I've got a whole book on that. But uh, the process of how to get there and who to look for, let me write it down here. Mm. Yeah. But I like what you said earlier. If you're going to find a Proverbs 31 wife... <laughs> You gotta be Proverbs oh. thirty one worthy. <laughs> and that was Are you Proverbs thirty one worthy? worthy? Yeah. That's the big question. That was just a teenager being like annoyed at how many males were saying that. I was like, you shush. Like <laughs> that's all that was. Nah, there's some great things in, in uh in the book of Proverbs. Oh yeah. And of course Solomon said, Remember your creator in the days of you your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you'll say, I find no pleasure in them. Mm and what wisdom there is there for every young person. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It is time for... Question of the Day. Okay, so the question today is, how can we, the body of Christ, be the temple or sanctuary when the true sanctuary is in heaven? Ooh, good question. 
Okay, so what we need to do is to look at the purpose for the sanctuary, mm-hmm. because this will help us answer this question. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 25 and verse 8, let them build me a sanctuary that I may live amongst them. Mm-hmm. So what is the purpose for the sanctuary? Being in God's presence. Place God. for God to live, right? Yeah, absolutely. So if God lives there, mm-hmm. then that's his sanctuary. Hmm. Okay, so here's my question. Does God live in heaven? Yes. Yes. Does he have a sanctuary in heaven? Yes. Yes. Does God live in your heart? Yes. Is then your heart a sanctuary for God? Yeah, I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> okay, so both of them are God's sanctuary. Yes. Two, two very different kinds of sanctuary. Mm. Uh, so the Bible says, uh, just in case you're wondering, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and let me see, verse 15. Uh, know you not that your bodies are the members of Christ? No, that's not the one I'm after. Verse 19. What? Know you not? Yeah, it had the same, <laughs> same start to it. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Hmm. So who does the Bible say lives in your heart in that verse? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Hmm. Whereabouts does Jesus live? In heaven. And yeah. Okay, so Jesus lives yeah. in heaven. The Holy Spirit lives in your heart. Jesus lives in your heart through the Holy Spirit. Mm. The Holy Spirit is everywhere, so he lives in heaven. And so obviously we have a sanctuary in heaven. Yeah. And we have a sanctuary on earth. And the reason that we've got these two different uh, aspects of the sanctuary, one being the body mm. and the other being you know, the sanctuary that's in heaven, is because it is showing us that God is omnipresent. God is in all places at all times, and it is also showing us that God is three. Yeah. Because yeah. if God was one and a, a, a being that was restricted by time and place, then God could not be in two places at once. Mm. But because God is three, he can be in more places at once. And so God's Holy Spirit lives in our heart, and Jesus lives in heaven. Mm. And the sanctuary is where God is. Mm. Huh? It actually goes quite deeply into yeah who God is and also what God wants to do in our hearts. Absolutely. And I think the important thing for us is that there well there's an important message in both. Mm, exactly. Both of these are just as important as each other because it is the sanctuary in heaven where God ministers for us. Yeah. So that we can be filled mm. with the Holy Spirit here on this earth and become a sanctuary for God Fully. in our lives. Without one, you cannot have the other. Both of them are just as important as each other. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.